Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of the F1 show for the 2008 Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and we had a heck of a Hungarian surprise this afternoon. <laughs> Felipe Massa should have won the Hungarian Grand Prix after making a brilliant pass on Kovalainen and Hamilton on the opening lap of the race. Massa then went on to pull over a four-second lead from the seemingly unstoppable British McLaren driver. Fortunes looked even brighter for the Brazilian after Hamilton suffered a tire failure and fell way back. But with only three laps to go, the Ferrari lump dumped, and Massa walked back to his garage as Heike Kovalainen took the checkered flag for the first time, winning the Hungarian Grand Prix. In second came the Toyota driver of Timo Glock, who suddenly found large quantities of speed in his left pocket. He used it well to keep the other Ferrari driver of Kimi Raikkonen behind him. And Alonso continues to show huge speed, finishing fourth for Renault. Hamilton trailed behind him in fifth, while Alonso's teammate, Piquet, finished a respectable sixth. The last two points paying positions went to Truly in the Toyota, and Robert Kubica, who managed to capture a skosh of respectability for the otherwise slow BMW Sauber team. Jim, I believe the word of the day is unpredictable. Absolutely. I mean... Coming into the weekend, looked like Hamilton just had it in the bag and was going to get three in a row. He had a, a really strong showing the last two races, and it looked like Ferrari, or, uh, you know, McLaren had really outdeveloped Ferrari in the midseason here. Qualifying and, one, two for this race. Yeah, I mean, it, w- it was McLaren all the way. And uh, in in, quali- in the post qualifying interviews, Felipe Massa, you know, Peter Windsor asked him, you know, well, where do, how do how do you feel relative to the McLarens? And Massa just replied, "Oh, very, very strong." And, I'm, yeah, and I sort of figured, you know, why, why is he saying that? You know, it's, well, he's he behind. He always he's says that, no and it's matter like, what. Why, you know, it's it's sort of like, come on, if you, if your car is slower, you got to admit that it's slower and whatever. But he said, no, nope, we're feeling really strong. And I figure, okay, whatever. But I mean, lap one, turn one, Massa was just just dispensed with the McLarens. I mean, it was amazing. But here's the thing, too. Hamilton had the pole by a couple of tenths over Heike Kovalainen, and who had another tenth on Massa, roughly. Yeah. And. Uh, Peter Windsor asked Hamilton how the lap was, and he said, well, it was okay. I lost a little bit in Sector 2. Yeah. And, you know, Windsor even suggested, hey, you've got tons of a cushion over Ferrari here. And Massa didn't take too kindly to that. He was actually uh, mocking Windsor a little bit for that one. And, you know, and then, as you said, said, no, we, we're, we're doing just fine. And when the lights went out on the race, Massa took off. That was incredible. But it wasn't just that the car felt good. Massa drove brilliantly today. yeah and it was stunning yeah we're not huge Massa fans in general i mean no. kimi raikkonen is, seems to be you know has been the, the the top ferrari driver in our books but we got to give the guy credit i mean just some some really ballsy passes and and it was like lewis two weeks ago i mean it was just he, he just kept building a gap and the and i mean the hamilton hung with him for for a little yeah, while at any time Ma- uh, hamilton showed speed Massa matched it and beat it yeah he just came right back there so and his pass on the opening lap he just shot right by Kovalainen. Yeah. And then passed Hamilton on the outside. Yeah, it was... He, he, he passed around the outside and was just on the gas early and made it stick. It was really, really quite good. And he, and he broke so late that he locked both front tires up in this, like, huge plume of blue smoke. It yeah, was, it looked like he'd thrown it away. It looked like he'd gone in too deep and that Hamilton was going to pull out, uh, you know, back in, in, front of, in front of Massa and that it was all going to go wrong. But, he, you know, Massa made it stick and he just... I feel like Massa was able to get the power down um, either at the same time or earlier than Hamilton, but just get it done more effectively and pull out of the a- the exit of the corner. That's 
I think, where, where the pass was really made. It was just getting his car in the right position, and it looks like they both got on the gas, but Massa's Ferrari just, just worked and just went forward, and, uh, and, and Hamilton was struggling for grip a little bit on the cold tires of the opening lap there. Yeah, now in the first stint, Hamilton was able to keep up, and Kovalainen was kind of holding on at the tail, but, you know, it was basically basically Massa, and, two, and it was a one-man show, pretty much. Hamilton was the only one within striking distance, and then Hamilton had a tire failure. Yeah, and that was that was much later on in the race, but still, just I wonder where the speed came from for Ferrari. I mean, they it, they didn't have it in practice, they didn't have it in qualifying, and I know I, I can understand you have you know you don't qualify well because you have you know you miss one lap, you know you mess up on your on your fast lap, you've got a mistake, but it's like it came out of nowhere. I mean, and it was and he was just he had just time in hand over the McLaren. So I mean, I my thought was I wondered if they were actually sandbagging in any way. Because McLaren's feeling great on their high horse of you know coming off two wins, they're doing really well. And if uh, if Ferrari sort of wants to you know play play it kind of you know a little bit tricky and, and sort of oh yeah let's not show them the true speed we have and they won't they won't be pushing super hard and sort of you know catches them with their pants down. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know what you're I know where you're going with that, and I can see how it looks. But I really don't think that's the case. I mean, after all, Ferrari uh, has another driver named Kimi Raikkonen, and he he qualified sixth. In the opening of the race, he was passed by Alonso to be in seventh, and he was just going nowhere. Well, sure, Kimi's sixth, but I mean, he's behind Kubica, behind Glock. I mean, Kimi was was off this weekend for until the last like ten laps. But, yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. But, I mean, I, it's just such a big difference from what we've seen before with Kimi and Massa. Massa's just got the fury going, and uh, and was just really able to make it work. So I just think for whatever reason, Massa was motivated. He saw that he had a good launch and he just took advantage of it. I mean, for for everything you have to say about Massa, it's never that he has a lack of aggression. I mean, he's always there to try to capitalize on any any, you know, advantage that he can. I mean, usually usually what we're saying is he's emotional, he's he not refrained enough. Yeah, 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 exactly, but th- that's his strong suit is he's willing to push and he's willing to be aggressive when he needs to be and he just made it work. Well, I would say the same about Kimi, that he's got the car control, that he can pull off these really, you know, amazing passes and, and really, you know, really trick moves. So what was so hard? I mean, what took Kimi so long to get around Alonso? And eventually he only did it in the pits. Kimi, Kimi Raikkonen could not pass Fernando Alonso on track. What was the deal there? I, I don't know. And I, 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 think, I think Kimi was just getting fed up. He was... In the 70-lap race, he was buying Alonso, I think, 55 of those laps. I think roughly three-quarters of the race. Maybe it wasn't quite that much, but it was a really long time, and he finally passed him only in the pits. But after that, he had an open track for the first time of the race, and I think Kimi wanted to show that he had some speed too. Uh, Kimi did have a fair amount more fuel than Massa, and Kimi in general has never been as strong of a qualifier as Massa has. Massa seems to be better at just getting that one great lap out of it. Kimi seems to need to take a couple of laps to warm up. Yeah, well, Reikkonen says he could have done better. There's a, an article on uh, gpupdate.com um, about uh, Kimi basically puts the whole race, the whole weekend down to poor qualifying. They said, you know, there was traffic in qualifying. He couldn't get a good lap in. And because of that, he was stuck behind Alonso. And, at, you know, that was basically it. But he doesn't really make any any reason for why he couldn't you know, dispense with Alonso, and, and I understand Fernando Alonso is still really good driving talent, but that Renault should not be any match with a Ferrari. I'm, I'm surprised that Kimi could not deal with Fernando. I mean, he was behind that Renault for so long. That is true, but I will say that this is one of the toughest tracks to pass on. 
It is short. It's lower speed. There's no real big braking zone anywhere. Uh, you know, the only big pass that was made was on the opening lap. And even then, as we saw, Massa had to do everything he could to make it stick. So, uh, I don't know. And, I mean, okay, the Renault is not as good of a car. But Alonso, he, he is a very capable driver. He's held off Michael Schumacher in the past. He's held off Raikkonen in the past. <laughs> I mean, Alonso is, you know. He's a tough guy to he's pass. He's good. He's just yeah. really, really good. And But they're. So is so is Raikkonen though, right? I mean, come on, he's current world champion, and he's in he's in what should be the best car, and the same car that's walking away from the rest of the field in Massa's hands. So I feel like Kimi could have done better. And at one point, Kimi had an off that looked like it just kind of was in a daze for a minute, and uh, and just kind of ran wide, and it sort of woke him back up. He says, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'm back back into going again." So um, that you know, and we, which we actually saw once before. I don't know if it's in Monza or where I forget where that was. It was a while ago, but you know, Kimi and the Ferrari just. You know, basically said, yeah, I just sort of lost concentration. Like, I don't know if he doesn't have the same kind of focus or, you know, Brazilian enthusiasm that uh, that Massa has. But it's almost as if he gets bored. And yeah, uh, you know, sometimes it does seem as if it takes something a little extra to actually motivate the guy, compared to the other drivers being plenty motivated that they're Formula One drivers in a Formula One race. That would be pretty damn good motivation for me personally. I know. Yeah. And what Raikkonen has always had the personality of kind of shining away from the spotlight, shining away from the, uh, the I don't know, the, the circusness of yeah. the, the, the show business side of Formula One. That just has no interest to him. He does not like the media attention constantly. He does he's not just like, there to drive. He doesn't like all the ceremony. He just he likes driving race cars, and he's very, very, very good at it. He's extremely good at it. Hmm. But – like it, it. He just he needs a little bit of an extra nudge, and I don't know how Ferrari can solve that problem if they tell him that you know, oh, actually, team principal is sleeping with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these other guys, like obviously, you know, Nelson Piquet, um, in addition to getting lucky, obviously started started looking a lot better after not, after Renault not, his job. Not with Raikkonen's wife. Let's no, be clear. That here. was different. That's different. But uh, but you know, after after threatening his job, Nelson Piquet really stepped it up and started getting some results and. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different rumors and things that go around, but uh, you know, I, it's 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 weird to see. You know, I, maybe maybe Raikkonen is more emotional than we than we give him credit for. You know that that there's really just it's, he's got to have some kind of extra enthusiasm. Yeah, going. Uh, emotional, but not in the same sense. I mean, yeah. usually we're talking about emotion in terms of uh, drivers getting excited or upset. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen is actually the exact opposite. It's the lack of emotion that makes him emotional. It's apathy almost. Okay. You know, and uh, I think you could, you could see some of that. But then again, I always get upset when uh, when we listen to the TV coverage or if we're reading articles online about the speculation that goes on. Oh, Raikkonen sucks now and Moss is the greatest. Like, no. No, no, no. Don't look at it one race at a time. Look at it as a whole. Look at the trends. And, you know, you take away these last couple of races – uh, Raikkonen's been strong, and he's even, second in the championship. Yeah, I mean, and right even when Lewis, he, yeah. even when he's bad, I mean, we all agree that Raikkonen was bad for most of the weekend today, most of the weekend, right? And he came. He home was third. third. Yeah, he's on the podium. <laughs> so, I I, th- I feel like he gets written off way too quickly, and I think it's partially because he's not as friendly to the media. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it certainly could be, but uh, I want. I mean, I don't want to take credit away from um, from Heikki Kovalainen. I mean, it, this was. 
Um, I, certainly, it was you know he he wasn't coming going up to pass Felipe Massa. It, it right. Wouldn't, he wouldn't he have wasn't taken the challenging, win. Not even close. Um, yeah, he wouldn't have taken the win if not for Felipe. Um, you know, Felipe. You know, his car losing it. His his engine just going kablamo on three laps to go. Mm-hmm. But he was there in a strong second place, and you know, keeping himself uh, ahead of uh, Raikkonen and ahead of the rest of them, and. Uh, you know he he was able to take his, his maiden win and that's that's a big deal for uh, for Hecky and, and Ron Dennis you know went on the radio and said welcome to, welcome to winning I think it was yeah and, which is kind of a it just kind of Ron Dennis just seems awkward these days like he does I don't know well, well I'm welcome gonna, to winning the first of many I think I'm going to accept something Can I go I'm going to I think I'm going to say something that might upset you Uh-oh. and perhaps Finland as a country as a whole but I think that Kovalainen's win today was not too much different than. Danica Patrick's win in Motegi, Japan, in the sense that it was mostly luck. He was in the right place at the right time, and he performed decent, and he's okay, but it wasn't... He did not earn this win, if you ask he me. He qualified on outside pole, though. I mean, he, he qualified had, on he's outside good pole, at this track. And he lost it before he even got to the breaking zone of turn one. And he was only had the seventh fastest lap. Okay. And by the way, Raikkonen, again, put in the fastest lap by two-tenths. Massa had the second fastest lap. Hamilton had the third fastest lap. Nelson Piquet had the fourth fastest lap. So Nelson Piquet was faster than uh, Heike Kovalainen. Yeah, but if you're looking at fastest laps, I mean, some if if you're in second place and you, or I guess near the end when he's in first place and, and Raikkonen backed off near the end, um, it wasn't really challenging. Um, you know, wasn't really challenging Heckey, and the Timo was way back there. Uh, I guess there's 11 seconds back by the end of the race. You know, Heckey doesn't he doesn't have any reason to push hard and risk breaking the car, so he's not going to set a fast lap. Um, you know, th- I, like I don't think you can. Those are straight comparisons. It does okay, give but an how idea about the beginning possible. of the race? How about the qualifying? When, he qualified okay, second at, at the beginning of the race when Massa and Hamilton were going out and swapping fast laps towards the beginning. That's where uh, Hamilton's 21.49 came from. I, you know, where was Kovalainen on that? Twenty-one-seven is the best he, he, he could was, do. He was saving the car for later, so he'd be able to make it to the podium and stand on top of it. All right. I don't. Th- okay. I, I don't. I think it's somewhere in between. I don't think it's just like like Nelson Piquet's podium two you know uh, th- two races ago was luck. That was you know he, he or one race ago, two weeks ago. Confused. Um, that was luck because you know he gets the pit stops just right and he happened to be there and and you know he he did a good job to keep the car there. But um, that that was really a lucky kind of thing and in right place, right time. But I think. I think Hecky deserves some credit for because he's had a couple of near near misses in the past, sure. and uh, you know I, I think he deserves you know deserves the win. And, and either either way, whether he deserves it or not, he got the win, uh, which is obviously a big deal for the team and uh, you know the points in the championship and all that. Um, I would definitely take it. I certainly would take it. And it's not like I don't think Heike Kovalainen is a bad driver. I just think he's a little bit on the average side. And I don't think this win today was wow. Heike Heike Kovalainen was the fastest driver today. He just you know what I mean. That's true, not even, yeah. And not even close. So, in that sense, I don't feel like he should make too big of a deal out of this. And I don't think he necessarily is. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to say, yeah, I'm the best and it shows my skill or anything like that. Which yeah, is I good. Mean, it's cause Plus, he doesn't have a neck. <laughs> Where is his neck? The top of his driving suit touches his ears. Okay, well, here, but, I mean, I know you're big, you're big Raikkonen fan, so uh, it's, uh, you know, Heike um, Kovalainen wins, you know, ostensibly because both Hamilton and Massa had car trouble, obviously one more than the other. Yes. Um, but, it, so... You know, so in, in the race of the top four drivers and the top two teams, though, Heike Kovalainen was still able to beat his his you know his uh, countrymen in the Ferrari. Um, so he he was able to make you know enough of it to keep to keep Raikkonen behind him um, throughout the pit stops and the whole race strategy and traffic and everything else. So certainly, I give certainly. I give the guy credit. All right, some credit is fair. Now I think we should talk about Timo Glock a little bit. 
yeah, man, Timo came back from a huge accident last uh, two weeks ago in Germany. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you should uh, check our race coverage from two weeks ago it on was, that to learn more about it. It was it was a brilliant episode two weeks yeah, ago. Two two weeks ago. Um, but uh, days. really really big uh, <laughs> really big off. Um, it was a suspension failure uh, coming on a very very fast turn. I don't know what the actual speed was when it started to spin, but what well, was the it was the last turn on the track. It's the turn on to the main straight. Um, yeah, onto the main straight, and so he actually it, it, the car came around and spun it and and basically just went into the wall. It wasn't a direct on um, rear impact. It was it was deflected to the side, thankfully. An oblique uh, angle. Thank you, yes. Mr. Geometry. Mm-hmm. And um, you know he had to go to the hospital and all that. You know he 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 was walking, but obviously in, in some pain, but freaking superman style he's like back on the grid uh this weekend in hungary just like walking around smiling thumbs up yeah man no worries you know no we wouldn't have crutches or anything but you know he's just i'm back at it and like makes the best showing we've seen from a while for, and this uh, in and, a toyota and the very much unlike we'll use bouquet as an example again very unlike bouquet very unlike danica patrick he qualified fourth yeah i mean he was strong this whole weekend yeah and he was towards the front the whole race he didn't really put a wheel wrong, and he, he drove well. Yeah, and we've seen Toyota's been on a generally upward trend, and uh, they still haven't gotten that first win, though, as a team. You know, Toyota never has uh, actually actually won a race yet, and I, I feel like they're they're still on this upward trend, but, you know, those those top four cars are the hardest ones to really get around. And, Absolutely. And it's these, Absolutely. it's these days where two of the top four guys are out for one reason or another, or out of the out of the out of the podium anyway, that, uh, that he's got a good chance. But, uh, again, he was, you know, Timo had the car there and, and drove solidly to uh, to collect when, when the other cars fell out. So uh, that was well done, and, and I really I really hope they can, you know, win a race that's not after some huge accident where the top ten cars are out and it's just the Toyotas left. But, uh, I mean, Yarno truly was, was lower down seventh. in there. He finished seventh. He which, finished seventh. Which it's is respectable. respectable. Yeah, he moved it's up two spots. He started ninth. And he, and he qualified in the top ten. Yeah. He so, was ninth. So, I mean... Not not a bad drive from Truly by any means, but just Glock for whatever reason he really turned it up. Like I said in the race report, he found something in his left pocket to make him go faster. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and that puts Toyota ahead of Renault uh, in the constructors championship for fourth. I mean, there's there's a couple of teams right there: Toyota, Renault, and uh, and Red Bull that are in contention for not best of the rest. I mean, BMW I guess is best of the rest in terms of points. They're only ten points behind McLaren, but um, you know, sort of the the rest of the pack is all sort of right on there. And so Toyota. I guess is best of the rest of the rest, but I mean they're ahead of Renault, who's, who you know with who's had obviously some some pretty big results with Nelson recently and with uh, with Alonso. So uh, you know that's well done for the team, and I guess they're they're still they're still mid pack, but I guess they're solid mid pack or yeah, upper middle pack. But again, I mean you say you say you know that they haven't quite gotten their first win. Well, look at their drivers lineup. I think Truly's done a respectable job all season. In fact, Truly's done a respectable job for the team for years. Yeah. Respectable, but, but never amazing. Never amazing. Glock, this is great. Yeah. Good for you, Glock. You drove well. You deserve this. Give yourself a pat on the back. But this is the first race where he's really shown, in my mind, any real good potential. Yeah, he's had Toyota. three big crashes this year, too. He's Absolutely. Had, he's had a couple of and th- Now, last weekend was not his fault at all. That That's was true. complete That's fe- suspension failure. But Toyota, of all the teams, can afford a superstar driver. Pay someone an obscene amount of money. Put Alonzo in the car. How many times do I have to say that? <laughs> Buy him out. Give Alonzo. Give Alonzo a hundred million dollars. Yeah, why do not? It. Right. <laughs> I mean, Alonzo could get more out of that car than truly can, and then Glock. He, he just can't. Than just about anyone, really. Yeah. I mean, and he's available. Yeah. Or give you know what? Offer Raikkonen a crap ton of money and say, 
we will allow you to race our car and not do any media of any kind. You have and this one guy's going to be that. sleeping with your wife before every race. Exactly, and that that that's all you need, right? That's there. all you need. And I, I, Toyota, all the people, I think their car is getting better and better. And if they had the right driver, they could squeak out some really great results. And yeah. I think that's what you see with Kubica and BMW Sauber a little bit. I guess. I mean, I don't know how much of this really comes into play or how much of it really is about the money and about just what team you're with. But, I mean, I don't think anyone going up through the ranks of, of the, the feeder series and karting and, and Europe, European GP and GP2 is like, man, you know, one day I want to drive for Toyota. You know, it's like I, I, people want a Ferrari and BMW and, the, you know, some of the some of the teams that have had some success and have some history and, you know, McLaren and, and you know, even Honda to some extent, I guess probably not so much anymore, but um, with some of the some of the history there. And they want to work with some of the big the big names in the engineering and the technical oh, sure. people. Sure. Um, and but I mean, would if you were Fernando, I mean, I guess it depends on how much of how much of your, you know, how much of you care about the money and how much is about being in a fast car, because it seems like, um, you know, this for going to Renault back from McLaren was pretty clearly a step down in terms of car performance. And he knew it. Um, you know, but it was back to be sort of with his racing family, you know, back with, with uh, Flavio Briatore and all them and uh, Pat Simmons and, and the Renault team. Um, so he's willing to be in somewhat of a slower car, but now he's sort of saying it sounds like he's fed up with being in the slow car and says, come on, guys, you're really not getting your act together. At some point you want to win. I mean, it's frustrating to be mid-pack if you're really getting the most out of the car. And maybe he could be just, you know, what Toyota needs to get over that edge and get into a, to a win. But I'm not sure he'd want to take that drive, you know, there or at Honda or any of these other places that maybe could afford him. Um, I'm not sure he'd want to make that jump, you know. I think he'd, he'd rather he'd, – in the rumors now are that he's going to Ferrari in, uh, right, in, in 2010. 2010. Um, whether he, you know, jumps ship next year and goes to Ferrari early, maybe Raikkonen will retire, I don't know what. But um, there's, there's a lot of rumors to that effect, and I think that's so much more likely than Alonso going to Toyota. But, yeah, uh, but I guess what I'm getting at, I, I use Alonzo over and over again because I think he's the one that they have the best chance of pulling, yeah. is that Toyota should put lots of effort into recruiting an amazing driver and then put all their support around that driver. I, yeah. think, I think that other teams have shown that is a, that is a proven method, and uh, Toyota can afford it. This is not Force India. Yeah. Toyota can afford it, so... If yeah, they really if, like, want like a, to win, like, they should do it. Like Robert Kubica or some, you know, somebody like that. If he would, if he'd be willing to, to go over there and get, offer Vettel a bunch of money, I bet Vettel would do really well. Yeah, that that could be interesting. I mean, there's certainly some talk that Vettel's the next Michael Schumacher, and he's got all the natural talent and all that. Vettel had a horrible race a whole weekend to this this weekend. I mean, that was pretty much a write off for them, and one you yeah. soon forget. It seems like Vettel's inherited Weber's luck because you know Weber's been plucking along, top ten finishes in the points. Qualifying decently, you know, doing doing well in general. Yeah. And uh, Vettel is has been inconsistent, and it's usually not his fault. He's had what, like, five retirements from the first lap of a race this year or something. I mean, it's 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 bad. Some of them his fault, some of them not. I mean, right. to be fair, but uh, but still, you know, it's yeah. I mean, Vettel's still a bit of an unknown quantity, though. I mean, there's certainly some a lot of quite a few youngsters that we see that are that are just look really fast and amazing, and then once they get up with the top teams, you know, they maybe don't have the engineering knowledge or, or different things that can't always translate that to success. But, uh, you know, that's certainly, I, I think, definitely something Toyota needs. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's too bad you, you can't buy just talent. There's not, like, an unlimited pool of Formula One drivers out there. I mean, there's certainly a lot of drivers that would want an F1 ride. But um, to really have what it takes to, to put everything together, I mean, there's just a pretty short list of people that are the available. package, and, as it were. Yeah, that are available and could make it work. Well, I, I think there's one other guy that may, in fact, deserve to move up, though. And I, I think Adrian Sutil this season has shown 
some real potential. There were two wet races. He's done really well in both of those. In Monaco, he was just punted by Raikkonen, which was extremely unfortunate because Sutil was looking to finish fourth. That would have been good points for his team. It would, would have been, been his only points. Yeah, he's would got have been no a great finish. And uh, again, in uh, Silverstone, he was doing really well in the rain. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, it's the big cliche that rain is the great equalizer, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. And, you know, he, he's shown good pace both times. And today, you know, he didn't have a brilliant drive, but he started 19th. He moved up to 17th before, again, the car failed. And I think this is a guy that if you put him in a stronger car, I think he'd be competitive. You could be, and it's and it's hard to say. I mean, you, I wish there were some event where everybody would get to drive, you know, the same car, or, or everybody gets to drive each other's cars, and you could really tell who's best in what car, and how much of it is the engineering knowledge and the strategy, and how much of it is just the driver. But that's that's part of the sport. I mean, it's not a spec series. All the cars are different. All the manufacturers have their own, you know, ins and outs and secrets. And at least the tires have been equalized because that was always a big deal of Michelin versus Bridgestone runners in the past, and the, you know that's been that's been equalized and. That's certainly, I think there's an argument for any kind of a spec series where you can really tell if it's the driver doing the work or if it's just the car and the balance all just, just came good. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he, he didn't have a whole lot to impress this weekend, but I guess it was, you know, on a circuit that's really hard to pass on um, and being, you know, back in the in the mid-pack and uh, back of the pack, I guess. I mean, he started last. There's not much mid-pack left when, yeah, when you get to Sutil. That's true. But, uh, you know, he's, he didn't make a whole lot out of it this weekend. But, yeah, he's had some good drives and... Um, you know, and, and even in Force India, even is looking to looking to improve. I mean, they're, they're saying to Fisichella, you know, hey, you better you know start getting us some results or you're out. But um, you know, even even Fizzy's been doing better than uh, than Sutil lately. So I'm not sure that the team quite agrees with you that uh, you know that that's the way to go. But I guess they feel Sutil's stronger and, and they should get rid of Fizzy. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you want to see these teams, these low end teams do well and, and, you know, get just the right combination of people together and start moving up the ranks. But it's so rare to see a genuine big shift in, you know, to see Super Aguri move up in the championship or to see, oh, sure. you know, well, Scuderia Toro Rosso or whatever. I mean, they have their moments. But oh, of course, of course, of course. But uh, that's just my opinion based on the races I've seen. And I think the poor guy could do better in a better ride. So that's uh, that's that. And I, I also have to just say one more time, I mean, Massa really deserved this win. I mean, he drove so well today, and I'm—it's I, really a shame. Now, the Hungarian race, this race was extremely hot. Yeah. Very high air temperatures and track temperatures. Um, lots of issues with that. There was a, a lot of fuel rig issues as a result. There were a few fires in the pits, all small. Um, so certainly the heat played a part. I don't know if this was the first or second race for that engine. Yeah. But I'm not sure uh, either. I just. That I felt bad for Massa, and I very rarely fear bad for Massa. So, you know, sorry to him, but I don't know if there's um, if you got much else to say. No, We've I, mean, got I was just going to mention break coming up. Well, I think the um, the BM, BMWs this this weekend um, oh, really they were slow. Took a step back, and especially after a couple of races ago when they really started to look strong, they were better than McLaren in the in the you know, constructors championship. Um, and what did I say when everyone says, "Oh, are they a top team now?" You're no. just saying no. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Nick Heidfeld started, what, 15th? Um, yeah. And uh, he worked his yeah, way and up And it was 10th. only 15th because uh, Sebastian Bourdais was penalized. He actually was 16th in qualifying. Yeah. And uh, he, he was held up at one for one of the for one, his qualifying lap. He was held up a little bit by, uh, by Sebastian Bourdais. But 
it's not like I, I don't think that was their only issue. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the the BMWs just I guess haven't kept pace with the development. And McLaren really seemed to have the upper hand coming into the weekend. Ferrari clearly had something that we didn't know about, um, or Massa just had you know it all kind of came together for him. I think they fed the drivers catnip. But um, BMW just does not seem to have kept pace with that. I mean they've they've dropped back behind McLaren in the championship. Um, they're only ten points back now, so they're certainly within striking distance. But when the Ferraris and McLarens are all running. Um, BMW really just doesn't doesn't seem to have it right now, and uh, it's it's too bad because uh, I mean, Kubica's still still eight points ahead of uh, of Heidfeld in the championship. Um, Heidfeld was having just a pretty awful, pretty dreadful uh, <laughs> weekend, and he did a one stop strategy, but was only able to make up a couple of spots. So it's Heidfeld's weekend was will we will we bad? Will we will we sad? Oh, so we'll see if they can do anything better at uh, Valencia in a couple of weeks. But uh, they've got summer break. Maybe they can go and collect themselves and come back and do well. But I think with the the testing going on and the development with the other cars, um, I'd be surprised if they if they can. I mean, it seems like they're still um, just slightly. Uh, it's, I mean, it seems like if Toyota could if, if Toyota could really get a proper race going with both their drivers, they could certainly um, you know push BMW pretty pretty well down the, the ranks. Yeah, I think you're going to see Toyota securing a solid fourth if they do well. I don't yeah. think they're going to take on BMW. BMW? Ah, well, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, you know, this weekend with, with Timo in second and uh, the highest place BMW being Kubica. But they have a lot of ground to make up here. I mean, BMW Sauber still has 90 points to Toyota's 35. Here. Oh, yeah, in terms of the championship, I think it's sort of too late too late for that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's 90 points to 35. It's a pretty big pretty big yeah. gap in constructors' points. But just in terms of the um, just positions on track, you know, and just in terms of finishes. Yeah, sure, um, sure. I think uh, I think Toyota certainly, uh, you know, a player up there with BMW now, and I, I agree with you that BMW is not one of the top teams. That they're not they're not in Ferrari and McLaren territory. So we now have three weeks off until the European Grand Prix, which is going to be held in Valencia, Spain, which I believe is August twenty fourth. Um, so if you don't hear from us two weeks, it's not our fault this time. Um, <laughs> Uh, we do plan to bring you uh, on-schedule coverage, as usual, back into Valencia. We don't have quite as many trips and things going on. But, no. Uh, there's a summer season when there's all these different uh, events happening around well, the country. Actually, that we've I'll be, be coming back from vacation the day before. With, so yeah, I'll so. be refreshed with tons of energy for you guys. We it's can, all for you. We so can't wait. maybe we should do a little predictions here. Okay. By the way, I predicted uh, Kovalainen to win in uh, Hamilton on pole. That's, I uh, predict that. That's pretty amazing Yeah. with our time travel machine. I mean, because... I said that last race, but it was quiet. Okay, well, I don't want to get on the bandwagon of every single race is the trend. Um, I still think McLaren's going to be very strong. Um, and I don't know. I guess I guess it, un- until we know sort of how many shipments of catnip are going to Massa's house, we can't really say. I mean, that was that really came out of nowhere this weekend. It, Italy has been having a shortage of catnip, so it is possible that that was a run one-race deal. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I I mean, it may be wishful thinking, but I think Lewis Hamilton will will you know be sorted out well enough to uh, to certainly be competitive. Um, as far as a prediction, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Lewis Lewis. I think I already wrote that down. I figured as you were gonna say that. Okay, nice. Uh, are you ready for my prediction? Yes. It might blow your mind. Is it Nelson PK? It's Nelson no. PK. I'm predicting Adrian Sutil, your favorite. That Felipe Massa will take pole. Okay, but Kimi wins. And that Lewis Hamilton will win. Oh. So if Lewis wins, then we buy each other Cokes. Jim knows, and most of you guys have probably inferred, that I'm a huge Raikkonen fan. And I really, really, really want to be wrong about this. 
But based on the fact that we know Massa is, in fact, an emotional driver, I think he's going to come into next race weekend with tons of tons of energy. And I think he can make a pole position out of it because he's good at that. Yeah. But I think Hamilton and McLaren will still have the upper edge, and I think they'll make the most of it during race day. All right. So there you have it. There you have it. Those will be posted on the uh, Facebook page, and uh, you guys can all tell us why we're wrong or agree with us and tell us why we're right and how right. wonderful and smart we are. Right. Either way. The latter is better. Yes. Usually. Absolutely. Always, actually. Either way, um, once you realize how, how amazing we are, you should probably go out and buy a performance box. Yes. I'm just saying. Because the F1 show is supported by the performance box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. That is performancedrift.com. And as always, please get in touch with us and let us know. Um, again, we apologize for the uh, delayed hung, uh, delayed German Grand Prix coverage. And uh, so you don't have to call us or email us and tell us how, how wanky we were for that. But if you'd like to, go right ahead. Yeah, you can. Visit us at f1show.com. From there, you can email us, which is our email address. is feedback at f1show.com. Pretty, clever. Also, Pretty clever email address, I <laughs> think. Isn't that great? Um, you can also click on the Facebook link, and there's there's a Facebook group for us, and uh, we can you know you can discuss, and Robert and I try to post in there what we can. If you are, and this is a big announcement, if you are the next fan of the F1 show, if you are the next person from this moment now to become a fan of the F show, you will be the 87th fan of the F1 show. I- I'm not kidding. That is an honor that everybody wants. I mean, I want that, yeah. but I can't. I can't have that. I was Honestly, who wants to be 88th? That's 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 stupid. Yeah. I, well, who after the 87th? I mean, then then the 88th starts looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right but on. right now, 87th is up for grabs. Even better than being a Facebook fan, although you should also be a Facebook fan, yeah. is actually being on the show. Uh, if you've got something insightful and interesting to say or even a question to ask or something for uh, for us, the uh, the hosts, um, visit F1Show.com and click on the Skype button, and you can leave us a voicemail and actually have your voice uh, on the show. We've had that a couple of times, but uh, we haven't had a messages in a couple of weeks. So Jordan Danger Brown, I'm looking at you, pal. Yeah, buddy. I thought or, you were going to be all up on this. Or our boy Derek Crowley from New York. I mean, we've gotten some good feedback and some good uh, insight from you guys in the past. So uh, send us some voicemails, send us some emails. Or what about Richard Hammond? Yeah, our man, boy our, from our England. Boy what, England. What's been up with you, man? I never heard if you got like a whole bunch of new friends from. Do you think we're wankers now? What's show? going on? Yeah. So uh, honestly, either way, um, or if you've never uh, sent us voicemail in the past, you're more than welcome to uh, be part of that elusive club of uh, F1 show guest speakers. Yeah, it's kind of like the Mile High Club without the sex. Wow! And on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, so we will be back uh, three weeks from now. We have uh, plenty of time off, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you some more timely coverage. But until then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya!